All right. Well, this morning, I wanted to talk about the word repent and uh, tell you a little things, tell you a few things about what it means. Look at your neighbor for a second and say, you need to repent. <laughs> now, we're, by the time we're all done, that might make more sense. But I didn't say, look at your neighbor and say, you're a sinner. I said, you need to repent. And we're going we're gonna to look at it. There is something about repenting that is good. It's healthy for us as Christians. It should be part of our walk with God. Uh, when we hear the word repent, it conjures a bunch of different images in our mind. It makes a bunch of different emotions come up. You know, we may be thinking of a time when somebody was telling us, you're a sinner and you need to repent. And, and like, oh, how did that make me feel? And there's all these emotions that are associated with it. Some of us, when we hear the word repent, we think of somebody coming and praying at the altar. You know, we think of somebody in church giving an altar call and people coming to the front to get saved or to rededicate their lives. Uh, sometimes we may think about what we've done wrong when we hear the word repent. Like, oh, I've got things that aren't right in my life. Sometimes we hear the word repent and we may think of the, the street corner preacher that's yelling at people. You know, you, you can't read his sign, but uh, he says, repent, hell awaits you. And he has, a, he has a whole list of stuff on his sign there. And it like includes Obama voters and gangster rappers. And I'm like, you know, I don't. I don't remember seeing any of that in those passages in the Bible. So sometimes we hear the word repent and we think of the crazy people that it's like, man, you are working against what we're trying to do here for the Lord. But uh, that might be an image that comes in your mind. And then somehow, sometimes we hear the word repent and it always gets associated with the end. Repent because the end is soon. So uh, go back to that cartoon. There's there's uh, they're marshmallow guys, but they're made to look like melting snowmen. And they all have little signs that say the end is near and you need to repent. Uh, so spring is coming. It's on the way. The end is near. But sometimes we link the word repent with the end. And we tell people, you need to repent because the end is near. What about we need to repent because God loves us <laughs> and, and there's stuff to do for him right now. We, we said the verse last week, you, know, you don't have to wait for the end. I am the resurrection life right now. Why are we why are we telling people it's like we're threatening them with, you know, you better get your act together because the end of the world is upon you. How about Jesus really loves you and, and wants you to repent? So there are a wide variety of emotions and images that come to our mind. Uh, what I want to tell you this morning, though, the goal of repentance is not to get you to think about sin. Do you ever, do you ever hear somebody say that you, you need to think on your sins? You know, that's not biblical. That, that's not the goal of repentance is to get you to think about and dwell upon your sin. In fact, the Bible actually says the exact opposite. It says in, in uh, Philippians 4.8, Steve and I just talked about this verse the other night. It says, think on whatever is true, whatever is noble, what is right, what is pure, what is lovely, what is admirable, what is excellent or praiseworthy. In fact, I didn't see sin anywhere on that list. When it tells us what to think about, what to focus on, it talks about thinking on things that are good that God is producing in our lives. Uh, I'm not going to lay the groundwork for it or preach it again, but we've talked a lot about you reproduce what you focus on. So I don't think repentance, if, if you reproduce what you focus on, what is God's goal for you? He wants us to reproduce Jesus. So the goal of repentance is not to get you to focus on your sin. The goal of repentance is... To get you to focus on Jesus, yeah. because that's who you're supposed to become like. 
That is the end result of what repentance is supposed to do, is produce the life of Jesus in us. So, uh, if you hear somebody saying, think about... Now, I'm going to lay some more groundwork and we'll talk about this a little bit. Your sins may lead you to a place of repentance, but that's not the goal. Repentance is to get you to think about your sins. The goal is to make you more like Jesus. So, uh, I want to be like Him. It's actually different than I want to stop sinning. There, there, there is a slight difference in the outcome of those two statements. I, I want to stop sinning Maybe just, hey, I don't like doing that. I want to stop that. Or it's, it's hurting my wife or it's hurting my family. I shouldn't do that. I know I shouldn't do that. That's a little bit different than I want to be like Jesus. If your goal is I want to be like Jesus, the other stuff will eventually stop. You will, you will stop hurting your wife. You will stop doing things that aren't healthy for you because you become more like Jesus. But that is the goal is to be like him. So what does repentance mean? A couple things that repentance is not. Uh, we're going to lay out some scripture for this in a little bit. Repentance is not feeling bad. Maybe you've ever said, oh, he's going to talk about repentance. Oh, it's going to be one of those depressing sermons because he's going to talk about repentance. It's going to be bad. I'm going to feel bad. I'm going to have to I'm going to be guilted into going to the altar because he's talking about repentance. Repentance is not feeling bad. Repentance is not just saying you're sorry. We'll talk about that in a minute. There is an aspect of that, but it is more than that. That is not the definition of repentance is to go apologize. If it was, I'd get off the hook a lot easier at home. But it's not. There's repentance is something deeper than just saying you're sorry. Uh, Repentance is not a scare tactic. How many of you know repenting is part of the good news? You know, there's... If you read through Scripture, there is not one instance in Scripture where they preached an evangelistic message where they linked it with hell. The apostles, Jesus, all of them, he, he, it's not a scare tactic. I'll tell you what it's linked to in a minute. Uh, repentance is also not doing penance. That, that, that word actually, how many of you know what doing penance is? If we, have, if we have Catholics among us or we have Catholic background, we know what doing penance is. Uh, that was actually a, a doctrine of the church at the time when they translated the King James Bible. And so they took the words that we're going to see in the Greek and the Hebrew here, and they used the word repentance. And they came up with the word repentance. So it almost gives this implication of, like, I've got to keep doing something to pay for my sins. I've got to do it over and over. And we're going to see that's not really what it means. Because Jesus actually paid the price for your sins. And repentance... In, in spite of it not being those events, it is not a one-time event. You, you got saved, you believed, you have come to faith, but there is still a need to repent in our lives, and we'll talk about why. So here's a couple definitions for you. In the Old Testament, anytime you see the word repent, it's the Hebrew word shub, S-H-U-W-B, in case you're in a spelling bee of Hebrew words later this week. Uh, it's the Hebrew word shub, which literally means to turn back to retreat to the starting point or to return to God. Did you ever think about that? There are actually times in life where going backwards is good. We, we, we have a bad connotation on it in the church because we say, oh, you backslider. Well, you just need to slide back a little further and return to God. Get back to the starting point, to the origin of everything, which is found in our life is found in him. Uh, then you come into the New Testament. And the Greek word is metanoio which literally means to think differently, to reconsider, or to change your mind. It actually has more to do with your belief system than what you do in your actions. 
That's repentance means I think differently at the end of the experience. So that's the definitions for repentance. And here's what it boils down to for me. Repentance is coming into agreement with God. That, that is the definition of repentance. If you look at turning around, turning back, I found this little graphic, so I threw that on there. I, I just, it was funny thinking about a person saying it, saying, it's okay if you disagree with me, I can't force you to be right. <laughs> it's, it's kind of sarcastic, it's kind of funny, but I thought about, you know, that's kind of what happens with repentance in God's definition. He says, I can't force you to agree with me, but if you do, you'll be right. God, that's what repentance is, is coming into agreement with God because he is right all the time. As, as much as I may try to tell Pam that I am or, or convince Silas that dad's right all the time, uh, even more than that, God is actually right all the time. So we need to come into agreement with the person who is right all the time. And that's what repentance does. We change our thinking, we change our mindset, and we come into agreement with God. Now, that means every aspect of our, of our existence, every aspect of our life, changing our beliefs to line up with his beliefs. And that could be about who you are. How many of you, this is, I, I love recovery programs and people getting set free from addiction and different things. But one of the problems I have, like with a 12-step program, what do they do? They, they go to these meetings and what's the first thing they say when they go in the door? My name is Chris and I am an alcoholic. And they continue to define themselves that way. And then they wonder, why do I fall off the wagon? Be well, because I just keep coming every week and telling people this is my identity. Well, repenting would be changing that belief system and coming into agreement with God. God says, I used to be those things, but I'm not anymore. He's washed me. He's sanctified me. He saved me. Let me begin to confess that and see what it produces in my life. That's what repentance looks like. We change our mind. We break our agreement with what is not true. And we come into agreement with God. Does that make sense to everybody? And I, I think we need to watch the things that we believe and the things that come out of our mouth. We need to come into agreement with him. Uh, another example of repentance would be, hey, I think the devil's going to win all the time. He's so powerful. He's a raging lion looking to devour me. Well, how about I repent and come into agreement with God said, the devil's defeated. He's been stripped of his authority. He has nothing in common with me anymore. That is actually repentance. Now, so right there, you might be thinking, well, that had nothing to do with sin. You know, how, repentance is, is sin. Repentance is anything that doesn't agree with God, changing that belief to come into alignment with him. That's why it's important for Christians to have an ongoing lifestyle of repentance. Because the longer I walk with God, the more I realize, oh, I didn't believe exactly right. I need to adjust this. Oh, I need to adjust this. I need to have the character of Jesus coming. I need... That's part of the walk is our beliefs continually get changed. And we'll talk about that in a minute. It's part of the renewing of our mind that happens the entire walk of our Christian life. Uh, so what is repentance linked to in Scripture? If you, if you read through Scripture, repentance is linked to kindness, refreshing, rejoicing, good news, releasing the kingdom in your life, forgiveness. Those are the things that go hand in hand when you see repentance in the scripture. Uh, the only time it was harsh is when it was spoken to the Pharisees and the religious leaders. Jesus, Jesus was giving an example and he said, repent or you will perish. 
And if you read that passage, he was talking to the religious leaders that weren't receiving him, telling him, you're about to be judged because you're not receiving me as the Messiah. You're going to perish. But he was literally telling them, you need to change your minds and believe in me. John the Baptist was a little bit harsh about it, too. He actually told the Pharisees and the Sadducees, he called them a brood of vipers. He says, who warned you about the wrath that's coming? You need to repent and start producing different fruit. So there, there was a time when it was a little bit harsh to deliver the repentance message, but it was with people that thought, I, I can know God in my own strength. I have religion, and it's saving me. That was the harshest repentance message to people. But every other time that you see it in Scripture, especially with sinners, hey, there's good news. There's forgiveness. There's rejoicing. There's, there's kindness that's available to cause you to repent. So... Acts 19 tells us, Paul said, John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. He told people to believe in the one coming after him, that is Jesus. So John's message, if you remember, was repent, the kingdom of heaven is near. And Paul, he specifically tells you that John's preaching was linked to a change in your belief system. John was preaching repentance so that they would change their minds and believe in Jesus. He wasn't really telling them, hey, Repent and stop doing this, this, and this. He was telling them, repent, change your beliefs to agree that Jesus is God's son, that he is the Messiah, he's the one that was promised. And I'm going to say this several times today because I think it's important to say, if we repent right and change our beliefs, your actions will follow. It's it's like the whole train thing. The, The beliefs are the engine, your actions are the caboose. Okay, your, your actions are going to go wherever your beliefs go. So sometimes we spend too much time trying to fix the caboose yep. without addressing the engine that's leading it down the track. Right. We, we spend so much time trying to work on the outside things. Oh, I got to stop doing this. I got to clean this up. I got to. I shouldn't say those words anymore. I better. Oh, will you help me be accountable? If I say one of those words, just like hit me. How about we start changing our beliefs? And coming into agreement with what God said. So, so one of the ways that would work is, you know, he's, he's created me to love him and be addicted to him. Since, uh, since we just use the addiction mentality. If I start believing that, where does my craving shift to? I want him more and more. I want to see, I want to experience his presence every moment of my life. And the, the other actions begin to stop because we've replaced our belief system. So, John linked repentance to a change in our beliefs. Repentance is actually what awakens faith in us. Faith releases the life of God in us and all the benefits that go with it. So, what is the relationship between sin and repentance? When you repent, you activate the sin-canceling power of Jesus in your life. When, when you change your belief system, when you repent and come into agreement with Him, it releases the reality that Jesus actually defeated sin on the cross. That, that He was the Lamb of God that took away the sins of the world, including mine. When I repent, that reality begins to be activated in my life. The power of sin, the power of canceled sin, is broken in my life when I repent. It says Acts 3.19, it says, Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. How many of you would like times of refreshing to come from the Lord? Man, times of refreshing are much better than times of difficulties. 
times, times of refreshing are much better than other things that we could go through that would make us late for church. I don't know what they may be, but I'm not going to say it this morning. <laughs> um, gosh. It says, turn to God that your sins may be wiped out. When we believe and we turn to God, it says our sins are wiped out. The word in the Greek literally means to obliterate and to wash every part of us. There are a couple aspects of that meaning. When we believe, our sins are obliterated in our life. We're actually washed and cleansed in every part of our being. Uh, the main emphasis of repentance is to change our ungodly beliefs. So we have to change from something to something. Does that make sense? We, we can't just turn from something and not turn anywhere else. It's physically impossible, first of all. But if, if all we ever do is repent from our sins... We're just putting band-aids on things that are producing death in our life. We have to turn from our sin to God. And then the times of refreshing are released in our life. So when we repent, this is really what happens. You turn from sin. I'm breaking my agreement. How many of you know, maybe this is deep teaching for Sunday morning. When, when I sin, I'm actually empowering sin and death in my life because I've come into agreement with it. That's what that's that is the spiritual transaction that happens when we sin. Now, whatever it looks like in the natural may may take different forms. You know, whatever the Holy Spirit's been working on you or convicting you about, it may look differently for all of us. But the spiritual transaction is I have empowered death in my life because I sin, because I come into agreement with it. So when I repent, I break my agreement with sin and death, with what I've, what I've done, what I've empowered by giving my members to it, what I've believed about myself, I break my agreement with it and I turn to God and come into agreement with Him. He says, I'm the righteousness of Christ in, in Him. He says, I'm spotless, I'm forgiven, I'm holy. When I come into agreement, when I turn to God, I begin to think differently. Oh, I wouldn't do that. How many of you have ever done something that you regretted later because you're like, that's not who I am? I don't know why I did that, because that's, that's not who I am inside. That's what happens when you repent. I break my power of agreement with that, and I say, oh, this is who I am. I, I don't need to do that anymore, because that's not my identity. That's not, my per- that's not who I am. Who I am is defined by what I read in this book, which is why we need to be in this book to know who we are. Is that too deep for everybody this morning? That's, that's a little bit teachy, but... Um, it says that times of refreshing will be released from the Lord when we repent. Refreshing literally means, if, if you study this out in the Greek, refreshing literally means a recovery of breath and revival. How many of you know when you repent, the time of refreshing that comes is the Holy Spirit indwells you and you are a walking, talking revival everywhere that you go. The key to that is to repent, to let our beliefs change and come into agreement with Him. We, we spend a lot of time chasing revival instead of being revival. Can I say it that way? We, we need to realize, hey, times of refreshing are coming from the Lord that empower me to be revival everywhere that I go. Hmm. Proverbs 28.13 says, He who conceals his sins does not prosper. But whoever confesses and renounces them finds mercy. There's some. Um, see, that's part of this is the relationship between repentance and sin. Is I'm not saying we never do sinful things in our life. 
you know, we, we can go around the room and probably all think of something we've done that would qualify as a sinful action. But when we confess it, when we release it, when we break our agreement with it, we find mercy, Proverbs says. So what causes us to repent? Any ideas? My, my wife with the frying pan saying, you better say you're sorry. What's, what causes us to repent? It's, it's, it's actually all initiated by God. He, he's the one that empowers us to repent. And there may be other factors. It may be guilt. It may be somebody threatening us. It may be bad uh, circumstances in our life. I got myself in a mess. I'm really sorry about it right now. There may be things that cause us to repent, but it is initiated by God. Watch this. Acts 5.31. It's talking about Jesus. He's preaching his sermon. He says, God exalted him to his own right hand as prince and savior that he might give repentance and forgiveness of sins to Israel. Part of the reason that Jesus was exalted was to release repentance and forgiveness to us. That's, that's what happens in that transaction. As he went to the cross, as he got exalted to the right hand of God, repentance and forgiveness was released to us. It was something that we didn't have access to before. He gives you the ability to change your mind so you can come into agreement with the fact that he forgave my sins. How about this one? Romans 2.4, it says uh, God's kindness Everybody say God's kindness. God's kindness leads you towards repentance. Or the the message translation actually says, in His kindness, He takes us firmly by the hand and leads us into a radical life change. It's, It's God drawing us and leading us, but it's His kindness. How many of you know that judging people doesn't cause them to move towards belief? Hitting them over the head with their sins doesn't cause them to move towards belief. It's God's kindness that actually draws them. His kindness, how about, how about this? God's kindness gets displayed through God's people. It's, it is not, that verse is not implying they'll get some mystical feeling of, ooh, I've got these goosebumps that God is so kind and good. God's kindness is generally displayed through His body. And as people see God's kindness, it actually draws them to repentance, to, to choosing to be awakened to something different in their lives. Later in 2 Timothy, talking about the Lord's servant, uh, chapter 2, verse 25 says, Those who oppose him, he must gently instruct. Man, kindness, gentleness, it sounds like the fruit of the Spirit actually produces repentance in people in the world, that they see it and are drawn by it. It says, Those who oppose him, he must gently instruct in the hope that God will grant them repentance, leading them to a knowledge of the truth, and that they will come to their senses and escape from the trap of the devil who's taken them captive to do his will. Repentance comes from gentle instruction, and it produces knowledge and truth. That's, I love that. If, if you have somebody that... Ever, you know people that are running from God. They're, they're, they're living the story of the prodigal son. It, there's an amazing section in the story of the prodigal son that says he had a come-to-his-senses moment. He's, he's laying in the middle of the mess in the pig pen, eating the same food the pigs are eating. And it says, he came to his senses. That is a good prayer to pray for people that you love that are running away, that are living the prodigal life. It's God, let them have a come to their senses moment. Yes. That they would see you, that they would remember your goodness yes. and know that you love them, that it's good in your house. Yes. Father's house is a much better place to be than the mess I've made for myself. A come to your senses moment. And that's when we gently instruct, 
God grants them repentance, leading to a knowledge of truth, and they have a come to their senses moment. In the, in the mirror, it says this Your gentle way of instructing those who oppose you will inevitably lead them to see what God believes concerning them and give them the best possible chance to acknowledge the truth. When we're kind, when we're gentle with people, that's how you win people. The devil has been defeated. It says in that verse that people are captives of the devil and slaves to sin. The good news is they don't have to be anymore. This, this, this would be the same as, as if somebody you come across, if I find mom, she's sitting in a jail cell. Man, maybe I've got to use it. I can't. Yeah, Mom, believe it or not, Mom has been to jail. But uh, along with some of the people in this church. <laughs> um, but say I find Mom sitting in a jail cell and she doesn't know that the door is unlocked and that the judge is declared not guilty, you're free to go. Yet she's still sitting there in the jail cell and won't leave. She's, she's got this mindset of, I've got to be in this cage. I've got to use that bathroom, wash my hands in that sink, eat what they give me. That's the same way with sin and the power of the devil. People are captives. They're, they're sitting in the cell and they don't realize Jesus unlocked the door. He's the judge that passed the verdict that said, not guilty anymore. You're, you're forgiven. You're free to go. So, so our job, part of sharing the gospel with people, the good news is you get to go to them and say, hey, you know, you don't have to stay here anymore. The, the door's unlocked and the judge said you were free to go, that you're not guilty. And they get to get up and come out of the cell. That's what the good news is. Man. Here's another verse. I'll, I'll just share another verse and then we'll land somewhere soon. Second uh, Corinthians 7.10 says, Godly sorrow... Brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret. But worldly sorrow brings death. Do you see the, the, the order there? Godly sorrow produces repentance. Repentance doesn't produce sorrow. We, we, have this, we have this, somehow we have this concept of, oh, the altar call and I've got to cry. I've got to come leave tear stains on the carpet. And that's real repentance. Repentance is actually the antidote for sorrow. We, we have this feeling of godly sorrow that wells up within us and it pushes us to a place of, I need to change my mind. I, I need to stop doing some of those things and, and empowering them in my life. Godly sorrow, this is where it comes in, godly sorrow does include the element of wanting to apologize. That's part of godly sorrow. I'm, I've, I see that I've wronged you. I'm sorry. I, I want to do something about that. I, I want this to be righted in my life. Here's, here's another cartoon for you. Sometimes we do it this way. Here's Calvin and Hobbes. Calvin runs. He's laughing. He's got a water balloon. He hits the little girl next door in the head with the water balloon. He says, he gets down on his knees, puts his hands together. Oh, what an awful thing I did. How I regret it now. I hereby resolve to change my evil ways. Oh, remorse, remorse. And the girl pounds him, <laughs> like beats him to a pulp. And he says, my penitent sinner shtick needs work. Sometimes we think if, if that's all we do is reduce repentance to sorry, it doesn't really mean anything. How many of you know that there is some aspect of true repentance produces change in us? How we think first and then how we act. I, if, if I go to Pam, whatever I may have done, pick one off the, the list. If, if I go to Pam and say, oh, I'm so sorry. Pam says, oh, okay. Yeah, that hurt me, but okay. I do the same thing tomorrow. I come back, 
Oh, Pam, I'm so sorry. I do the same thing the day after that. Oh, Pam, I'm so sorry. Have I repented? No. <laughs> Nothing has changed. All I've done is I'm, I'm getting really good at saying I'm sorry. It's just words. It's just empty words. It doesn't actually produce anything. Repentance actually produces something. But godly sorrow, there is an element, but it, it is genuine. There is a genuine element of I want to say I'm sorry. I want to apologize. The people that Jesus encountered, what did Matthew do? He went and paid back everybody that he had cheated. There is some change that happens that produces outward stuff in our lives, but it happens because something inward changes first. But worldly sorrow just produces death. Worldly sorrow wants to keep you in that place of being condemned. Worldly sorrow says things like, you've, you've hurt me and wronged me, and I want you to be aware of it for the rest of your life. That's what worldly sorrow does. Every time I see you, I start crying because I think about how bad I treated you and what I did to wrong you. And if you stay in that place, it produces death. It says in that verse, the result of repentance is salvation, which is literally rescue, deliverance, safety. You come into a place of, I'm not in danger of death. <laughs> I'm not in danger from the sin. I'm, I've come to a place of wholeness. I've come to a place of deliverance, a place of rescue. It should produce fruit in our lives. That was even we talked about John the Baptist. He told them produce fruit in keeping with the repentance. It should be new and different fruit than what we were experiencing before. It should be Holy Spirit fruit. It should be Jesus fruit. Can we say it that way? And I was just about to say, look at your neighbor and say, I'm a Jesus fruit. But that sounds kind of weird. Um, <laughs> but it is the fruit that should be produced in our lives. If we are truly repenting, we will start to look more like Jesus on the outside. Gosh, I want to end somewhere. And I have more to say, but let's end there. I may, I may talk a little bit more next week. Um, in all likelihood, I will talk a little more next week. I'll probably talk a lot more next week. And you'll be looking at your watch like, is it time to go? Uh, I want us to stand. Part, part of the issue for Christians... We can stand. Let's do that. We, we need to continue to repent. And I don't know what that looks like for us. There, there may be things that we're believing wrongly about God that are affecting how we act. There, there may be things that we've done that are producing godly sorrow in our life right now. I need to come to the place of realizing... That's not who I am. I need to stop doing that. That's part of repentance also. I don't know what it looks like for you this morning, uh, but I'm going to ask God to just speak to us this week and just to just begin to deal with us about where do we need to change what we've been believing. Uh, it could be, hey, I've, I've had a wrong view of you, Lord. I, I need to get in this book and, and read and have a biblical-based view of you. Maybe I've just been taking other people's word for it. You know, that's part of repenting. And, and that's, it's not like, hey, I've been a dirty, rotten sinner down, you know, doing whatever lifestyle. That is like, I need to change my mind. I, I need to have a shift in my thinking to come into agreement with God. That is part of the ongoing walk of repentance for Christians. So I'm going to ask God to just begin to speak to us this week.
And uh, we'll talk more about it a little bit next week, I think. But uh, let's go ahead and pray. Father, I thank You for the truth of Your Word. That, the, the anchor for our lives, the, things, uh, the thing that we base uh, our walk on, the, the thing that helps us, the, the Word of God that is always true, that never fails us, that helps us uh, perceive and understand and know You better. Uh, God, I ask that You would speak to us out of Your Word this week. That You would begin to show us uh, areas of our lives that aren't producing the fruit that should be coming out of a Bible-believing Christian person's life. <laughs> that You would just begin to speak to us. Help us to shift our thinking. Uh, Lord, where, where it's a place where we've let sin in our life, I ask that You would give us the grace to repent. That You would draw us to that place where we, we break our agreement and the power of sin in our life and come into agreement with You that we begin to walk in the forgiveness that You already provided for us on the cross. Lord, if it's just a place where we haven't been seeing You rightly, I ask that You would speak to us, that You would adjust our view of what the truth is, that we would see You correctly, Lord God, that we would repent and have a shift in our thinking to come into agreement with You. Lord, I ask that You would help us as we encounter people in this world that need to know You that You would remind us uh, that Scripture says they're drawn by Your kindness, that we are to gently instruct, that we are to love people. Uh, Lord, remind us of those things, uh, even in places where it may be difficult to feel that towards people. Remind us of that and give us the grace to display You to them. Lord, we, we love You. We thank You for who You are in our midst, God. We thank You that You are continuing to perform good things in our lives, that You have plans and purposes for us to, to bring us into good places in You. And I ask that You would continue to do that and move in our lives, Lord God. We give You glory and honor now for who You are. And we praise You, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Uh, you are free to go. You are dismissed. We will have uh, some opportunity. If you would like prayer, you can come to the altar and get some prayer. Uh, but otherwise, have a great afternoon and enjoy the rest of your day.